1: Hi, everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to Episode 41 of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing well. How are that's you? That's good. Well, you you already know this, but I haven't really talked to you about it. You saw me post it in, in our Messenger chat. Oh. We have a cat that's officially been diagnosed as diabetic. Oh, <sighs> no. Poor Ringo. Yeah, Ringo. Poor Ringo. He's at the vet right now. I left him at the vet. So we went. He was having some... Um, misbehaviors, let's just say, with not using the litter box. Mm-hmm. And it was suddenly like a larger volume and different than even before. And so I was like, I think something's wrong with him. So I took him to the vet and they tested his blood sugar and it was like 380 Goodness, at the vet. And so then they're like, well, let's, you know, let's give him this antibiotic and then we want you to come back and we'll check it again. And so I went back this morning with them and um, they checked it again. It was 378. Now, I guess I don't know what cat blood glucose should be, but I'm assuming not it should be somewhere <laughs> around a human's blood glucose. Well, he said it's – I asked the exact same question of the of the vet, and he said it's not exactly like with humans. They can go – trend a little higher, and it's okay. Like, if it had been 200, we wouldn't be worried. I gotcha. But – 380 is definitely. Right. So I left him there and they are, it's it's interesting. You don't have to test your cat's blood glucose at home. That's the part that I was scared about. You don't have to test it minute by minute, but they, they're they finding his right insulin dose over the next couple days. And then I'll bring him home and he'll have insulin twice a day. And then we take him back and they're going to check and make sure it's right. And then they like said once a year, you just have to come in once a year or if they start acting weird. Right. So no, that's the thing. Ringo is always weird. So... <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I don't know.
1: But I wouldn't say Gringo's weird. He is, he's kind of ornery. He hides. Yeah. And he's, yeah. So the anyway, maybe he's just been so sick for so long. Who knows how long he hasn't felt good. Right. Like we've yeah. been saying he's hiding because of the construction and he's hiding because the workers are here. And that's why he's having litter box accidents. But really mainly it's just that he hasn't been feeling well for mm. all this time. And that could really be it. So, because cats apparently will hide when they don't feel well, and and they don't, you know, they don't want to show weakness because then they're like, you know, prey. Oh, that's funny. So they will fake that. that they feel good and that they're fine, and and then just go hide somewhere. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. So I think that's what's been happening with him. So anyway, we're also excited about giving a cat shots twice a day, but it's what you do for your pets, right? Yes. And you'll get used to it. We will. It'll just be part of your routine. Absolutely. He's really going to hide once that starts happening. Will Chad give them or will you have to? Well, he's going to gonna have it? to. He's going to have to do it when I'm out of town. Oh, that's right. So he's going to have to learn how to do it. You know, I'm going to spend almost three weeks at the beach and um, later in this month. And because I've got work to do down there with, with the, the condo and the house. And uh, he's just going to have to do it. So, and I think if we ever go anywhere together, we might have to board him. Oh, uh huh. We'll just have to face that when the time comes. Right. Yeah. Unless Will wants to cat sit. Uh, Yeah, we'll we'll see. Dr. (laughs) Will. I would have a neighbor that would be more likely to come over and (laughs) give Ringo the shots than Will. I just have a feeling. Anyway. (laughs) Well, each week
0: we start our show with our good news segment. And today's contribution comes from Irene. And she recently saw a good news segment that she wanted to share with our listeners. And as a working mom, I really connected with this story. I thought it was great. So a mom named Audrey Burkett, she found out one morning that her one-year-old's daycare was not going to be available to her that day. And she had several important meetings scheduled for the day, so she called her boss, who is the president and CEO of her company. His name is Greg Wathin. it might be Wathan. To explain the situation, he advised her just to bring her daughter to the office and that during her important meetings, her other co-workers and the president and CEO himself kept the little one entertained and cared for. And in this write-up, uh, which I have included in show notes, is a picture of him walking the halls with her little girl in her stroller. It's really sweet. And in Audrey's words, she said, I am extremely thankful to be part of the team and I hope other working moms out there receive the same support from their leaders she elaborated, "In economic development, as we think about retaining talent, there is no better way to show your team you care than by letting them make their family a priority." And um, Mr. Wathan, he is the president of Economic Development Coalition of Southwest Indiana.
1: That's amazing. That is such a good story. We all know, you and I both know, anyone who's a working parent, we all know that when you've got to be away from your job because of daycare or something like that, it's hard. It really is. And, you know, um, I worked for a
0: hospital, uh, KU Med Center in Kansas. They had sick child care for the employees of the hospital. Oh, that's amazing. And you could bring your sick child to the hospital. And I mean, what better person to care for your sick child than a nurse? And that was their role was to...
1: Do the sick child care. That's wonderful. All right. Well, listeners, we need your stories as well. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. Well, before we get to the life lesson of the week, I want to take a minute to tell you about
0: one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And by now, you all know that Jen and I love Beauty Counter for so many reasons. But the top two are that they are free of dangerous or potentially dangerous chemicals and endocrine disruptors. And beauty does not have to come with a price to your health. The second is that their products truly work. And that's important to us. They have just released their new Lid Glow Cream Eyeshadow. It is amazing. I have it on today. It says cream. I'm going to tell you, it's not even a cream. It's kind of a silky liquid and it applies with an applicator. It just kind of illuminates your eyes without creasing. It contains cooling and nourishing hydrating ingredients um, to soothe and hydrate the eye area as well as to moisturize your eyes during wear. It's a multifunctional product in one. You can also use it as an eyeliner. It comes in 10 beautiful shades that allows for buildable color and a beauty counter has a mission to use responsibly sourced mica in their products. If you go to the uh, website, you can visit it at beautycounter.com forward slash Sherry Bullock and take a look at the 10 colors. They look really intense. They look really dark. Um, they are not. They go on really light. And then you can apply you like extra coats to intensify the color. So don't be afraid. They're not as dark as they appear on the website. And then as with any beauty county product, if you don't love it, you can return the unused portion and get a full refund within 60 days of the shipping date. So again, visit beautycounter.com forward slash Sherry Bullock or lifelessonscommunity.com forward slash beauty Counter. So I haven't tried that yet. I haven't tried that
1: eyeshadow. I really love it. Well, you know, I I got the mascara, and you got the. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I ordered the
0: mascara yesterday. I can't wait to get it.
1: I know you're going to love it. So look, my eyelashes look great again today. See, they Mm -hmm. do. I've got to try that. Then you'll have to help me figure out what shades to get for the um for the eyeshadow. Well,
0: I bought the whole ten color kit. Did you? I thought about doing that. Well, you did. I just I felt like I needed to so I you can't would know. help advise somebody on it yeah. if I don't know what the colors are. Well, I should probably on just do that. Really pretty green color, and I never wear green eyeshadow, but I'm going to give it a try and see what yeah, it looks like. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, well, I don't need
1: all of those colors, but okay, I'll try them. You've sold <laughs> me.
0: And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. This week, we are going to talk to Raiden Stansel, a certified financial planner. He is the founder of Peace of Mind Wealth Management, a firm committed to helping individuals retire with excellence. I love that. I do too. <laughs> he is also an author and co-host of the Secure Your Retirement podcast and his insights have been featured in many publications. Today, he is joining us to help our listeners feel better prepared for retirement when it comes, or for those that are entering retirement in the near future, he wants to help you ease into the transition from work life to retired life with peace of mind. Welcome.
2: Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to being able to have a good conversation with you, and thank you for having me on the podcast.
1: Well, we're really glad to have you. I am actually a retired school teacher, so... <laughs> this is i'm in my second career so retirement is something that's very near and dear to me we're working on my husband's retirement coming up in a in a few years
2: yeah well you know a lot of times people don't start thinking about retirement until it's way later down the road so most people i don't think start really thinking about retirement and probably until they're in their 40s well into their 40s yeah
1: i think i think you're probably I right can so would, to that would you say it's true the best time to start thinking about your retirement is whatever today is
2: yes well i would agree with that yes. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or the youngest you possibly could do it.
1: Right, which is today. You'll never yeah, be younger yeah, than today. Right. right.
0: We did a podcast months ago on um, just financial matters, overall budgeting, how to get onto a budget, how to, you know, get your financial, you know, picture sorted out to where you can even start thinking about saving for retirement. But a lot of people at that point, that was their question is how do you save? How do you save when you're living life and you have bills to pay? And how much should you save? And where do you save? Where do you put the money? What's the safest place to put your money? That that's sort of a thing. great question. <laughs> so I'm hoping that those are the you know, kind of answers that you're going to have for our listeners today, because that's like a big pressing question for a bunch of our community members.
2: Yeah, I think I can obviously talk to you about that. Um, I will tell you, though, in what I personally do every single day is I usually am working with people that are about 55 years of age and older, so they've kind of already saved. But we always get that conversation going, when it, whether it's talking about their children or their grandchildren. And I think that when it comes down, we we like to use the word spending plan versus budget budget sounds like constricting. And if we have a spending plan, it's just kind of like, this is what I'm going to, this is how I'm going to spend my money. And a lot of times- I like that mind shift. Yeah. Yeah, I do like that. It just feels better, I guess. So when I think about a spending plan, what I'm really thinking about is, okay, well then- what is it that i that i need and then what is it that i want to spend and then what is it that i can save we break it down into three categories so i got my essentials i've got to be able to pay the the essential bills i've got to be able to pay the light bill all those kind of things and then i can start going over into my wants and we talk about that by the way even in retirement but the the real fact is i think with younger people in particular a lot of people try to buy too big of a house or too big of a car. When I say too big, I'm talking too much expense there. Too expensive. And so, therefore, they say I don't have any extra money. And the reality is, I've got people that I have known as clients that both of them. I know that uh, Jen, you said you are a teacher. I've had two. I've had a couple. Both of them as teachers. Then I had in that scenario, she stayed home with the children. He continued to be a teacher. So they lived on a. Pretty frugal budget, a pretty frugal spending plan, and they were saving a very good amount of money every year. They were on track that by the time they retired, they were going to have more than enough savings. And and so I use that as a, as a situation just to say you don't have to make two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year to have a good savings plan. Right. Most of my clients, uh, I would say, over their career probably did make in the hundred to two hundred thousand dollar a year range as a family, but they were just really good savers. They didn't spend more than what they had coming in.
1: Live below your means is is what you're saying. Absolutely. Live below your means now, put the money away, and then you'll have a better retirement.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I would say most of my clients, my clients are what you would call the next door millionaire, right? So Mm -hmm. they've they've saved up at least a million dollars between the household, but they drive their car until it is you know, the end of its life, pretty much. They don't get new cars constantly. They don't drive high-end expensive cars, but they, you know, they have maybe nice things, but their focus is, hey, why would I want to go do this if I can actually take this money and save it? Why? I I would rather have the money than to have the brand new car. I think younger people, though, get wrapped up into, I want to have the new car. I want to have the bigger house. I want to be able to have all those Mm -hmm. things. And then I don't have any money to save.
1: Because they're focusing on you, like the payment. Right. That's exactly. Right. right.
2: Yeah. 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 I hate that. Whenever you go talk to a car salesman or even a realtor and they start looking at how much of a payment can you oh, afford?
1: Yeah. Right. I had that same. The last time I bought a car, it was early in 2020 and I was at the dealership and they're like, what's your payment? I'm like, no, I'm going to write you a check for this car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know what the payment is. I, I, there will be no payment, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which was a great feeling. But, yeah. you know, suddenly the conversation was very different.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, I know we have a lot we can talk about, but I want to talk what you just said. You're you mainly work with people who are 55 plus and have already saved their money, basically then on what to do with their money in retirement. Now, yeah. I'm 52, just turned 52 and like I said already retired. So when I heard you say that, my ears really perked right up. Um, you know, what what sort of strategies do you um Suggest for someone, I, I think a lot of our listeners are probably in the same demographic as, or similar demographic to, to me, and Sherry's younger than me, but looking towards retirement.
2: So if I were talking to somebody who's in their early 50s or, or anywhere, really, but I start looking at it and saying, okay, when is it, now you say you're retired, I think mm-hmm. you said your husband's still working?
1: yes. I mean, I'm still working really hard at a second career now, but retired from the first.
2: Oh, by the way, that's a really good side point, by the way, we can come back to is the whole idea of what retirement means. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, uh, you know, when I think we're younger and we're talking about retirement, we talk about retirement from this aspect of I'm going to retire. I am going to, uh, you know, live on the beach and I'm not going to do anything. And I'm just that Most people who retire for after the first year or two, they go, Wow, I'm bored. I want something to do. Uh Right. So, anyway, there's a couple different ways to retire. So, if I were talking to somebody in their 50s, early 50s, and we're talking about a person now, life expectancy wise, is going to live well into their 80s. Right. And we always illustrate age 90 in the scenario. So, you're talking a very long time to retirement. Um, And so whatever you're looking at today of spending by the time you get to your 80s is going to be double and a half whatever you need today with inflation. So it's more than double. So the whole idea is what do you call retirement? And if a person says, you know what, here's what I call retirement. I don't want to work for the the place that I've worked for the last 20 or 30 years. I want to do what I want to do, not what I have to do. And so if I could find, and we have this all the time where they say either I want to be a Uh, a consultant, or I want to do this other career. And maybe I don't make what I made in the other world, but I don't need to pull money out. I'm just not going to be able to save as much. Now our retirement plan is let's grow the nest egg you're going to be able to support yourself, let's just say from 52 to say 65 or whatever the number is. Let's just go with 65. Well, now we've got a good long time to actually grow the assets. And then at 65 or 67 or whatever, maybe we flip over to where those assets are going to take care of you for the rest of your life.
1: And so what are your best strategies for growing that nest egg?
2: Well, so uh, and one of the ways that we, the way we manage money is we do manage money in a couple of different categories, but one is basically stocks and mm-hmm. bonds. What we do that's a little bit different than what a lot of people um, have been taught is that we do not do what's called a buy and hold strategy, which is where you basically invest your money and you just hang in there and hope for the best. We actually believe that actively managing the money, buying uh, assets that are actually working and then get out of those assets when they're not. I always use an illustration with people and they get it when we think about real estate. And I Mm -hmm. said, if you were to call a realtor and say, I would like to know what is the best selling zip code, the best selling neighborhood, the best selling price range, what, what are those answers? Everybody believes that a realtor can tell you those answers. But in the stock market, people believe you don't know that answer, so let's go buy everything. And that's not, we don't believe in that. We say, no, we know based on the data, we can tell you the best-selling assets, the best-selling sectors, the best-selling countries, everything else. And we say, let's just be in those places. And then when they're no longer the best, we get out of them. So we actively trade. So when you talk about best strategies, our best strategy is this, very simple. Let's make a decent rate of return we're not trying to make Bitcoin returns of oh, no. 60%, right? Oh, no. We're like, Let's just make a decent rate of return and not lose so much when the market declines. A very scary number, just think about this, and this happened in 2008. If you lose 50% of your money, so I'll give you an illustration. If you got $100,000 and you lose 50% of your money, how much money do you have? $50,000, right? So now let's say the next year my 50,000 earns 50%. Am I back to a break even? No. 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 I'm only back to 75,000. I've got to make a 100% rate of return when I lose 50%. Right. So losing is a lot easier than making. We always use a little illustration. Losing is like going down in an elevator and then gaining it back is like going up on an escalator. It's much slower going back up than it is falling. So let's don't fall. That's, right. our, that's our motto.
1: So you try to stay ahead of that, ahead Correct. of what's happening. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So just based off the very short time you've been talking, I'm doing everything all wrong. <laughs> because I'm going to tell you, like I invest in my 401k at the hospital I work for. And um, whoever manages that plan is managing my money. And I'm just letting them do what they're doing. And every month I look to see how much money I made. And then I put the statement away. So it sounds to me like you really advise people to take a more active approach to their financial growth.
2: Yeah, I always say this. I think that it comes down to personality. There are people who are completely comfortable with the idea of just buying whatever and holding it long term. And I think long term, you'll do fine. I think the older you get, though, and the closer you get to that retirement age, the less time you have to make back. So go back to 2008. That was our last major, significant, long-term downturn. So when, if you, whatever you lost by the time you got to the bottom, which was March of 2009, it took you on average over five years to get back to a break-even. Another scary little number is that from the year 2000, if you just invested the S&P 500, which is basically a diversified portfolio of 500 U.S. stocks. From 2000 to 2013, you would have made in that period zero because you had big downturns, big upturns, but you'd have made zero for that 13 years. If we can take out those big downturns, we can significantly increase our protection or, or return of money, return on money. And so I wouldn't say what you're doing is wrong. By the way, a 401k is rather difficult for us to actively manage, but you can get information to help you kind of know what you can be invested in within a 401k. Right. But uh, yeah, a 401k is going to be a little bit more
0: difficult. Okay. So you're, you're talking, actually you're just taking your money and you are investing into the stock market and buying bonds. Is that what you said?
2: Stocks and bonds Uh or fixed income. So like, for example, uh, most of our clients have built their, their savings through a 401k plan. When you, are disconnected from that service. You no longer work there. So let's say you, for whatever reason, didn't work at the hospital anymore. We can then move your 401k to an IRA, which allows us to then manage it actively. We get outside of what's called the company plan or the hospital plan or whatever it might be. Now, when you turn 59 and a half, Even if you're still working, we can do what's called an in-service rollover, which means you can continue to work there, you can continue to get any match you're getting on your 401k, you can continue to contribute, but we can each year roll over what you have in the 401k to an IRA so that we can actively manage it. So that's, you know, again, that's one of those things you can be excited about turning 59 and a half.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which will be here before I know it. Right, Sherry? Times are flying. So what do you say to someone like my husband who is adverse to the stock market? He just, you know, he hears those statistics you just said about the money, you know, and losing it and it going down 50%. And he's like, no, I don't want any part of that. What do you tell someone like that?
2: Well, so I'm not a real good person to talk people into anything. I kind of like want to educate people Mm -hmm. and just tell them, say, look, I completely get that. Um, We teach it all the time. We talk about this on our podcast. We talk about it when we're we're teaching people in some of our classes that we do. Uh, And basically what we say is this, this is something that's different. And a lot of people have lived through or at least uh, heard about things like an 08. That's our last big significant downturn. March of last year was big with COVID. It fell about 34%, but it came back really, really fast. So honestly, if you didn't look at your statement for too much, you, you wouldn't,
1: wouldn't even notice. I'm okay, right? Yeah, right? 2008
2: was an 18-month downturn, so it was much more significant. So if people live through that, they go, I don't want any part of that again. Some people say, I don't want any part of that again but the reality is if you understood that there was a way to protect from not going down like that now all of a sudden it can change your perspective i just had a, a lady in uh this morning who's well, not a client yet she's just talking to us and she said i've not actually been invested my money uh like i should since 2008 right
1: that's it's when you, i sold all of my stocks i'm going to be honest with yeah. you that's, and i was like what and then I, we haven't bought stocks since then it's true. i
0: was you know barely 30 then or in my early 30s then and I just remember my father-in-law at the time telling me he lost $80,000 and I was I didn't have $8,000 to my name at that you know point and I was like oh my gosh you worked so hard your whole life you just retired and you just lost $80,000 and it seemed crazy to me to the point where I was terrified of ever investing my money And it hasn't only been in the last maybe eight years that I've really started focusing on, oh my gosh, I really am going to retire one day. I need to really figure out what I'm going to do. So, I mean, from what you're saying, you shouldn't fear the stock market if you are keeping an eye on what is happening.
2: I think if you have a predetermined strategy, again, I try to help people visualize what it's like. If you had to think about being a pilot, it's much easier to take off in the plane than it is to land the plane. Okay, so it's easy to go out and invest in something, but we've got to have a system in place that says, let's, let's figure out how we're going to get to and through retirement, which is more of our landing. And so I think as long as you understand it, there is a strategy. There are strategies with a predetermined process to say, let's get out of trouble if trouble begins and we call that a sell-side discipline. We teach people that the industry is built off of what we call a buy-side bias, and here's what I mean by that. I always tell people, imagine that you pick up the phone and you called any mutual fund company you could think of, doesn't matter which one, and you call them up and you tell them, hey, I've got $8,000, $10,000, $100,000, and I'm thinking about investing in your mutual fund. Could you tell me when do you think the best time to buy is? What do you think the answer will be 99.99% of the time? Right now? Right now. Yeah. Right? How can I right. always it be right now? That just doesn't make sense. And then you ask them when should I sell and they'll say never. That just doesn't make sense <laughs> to say I should always buy whatever it is you've got. We believe there's a time to buy and there's a time to sell. So let's have a predetermined strategy to do so. And I think that would help, you know, in anybody's inclination that says, I don't want to ever be in because now they go, oh, I got a strategy. I've got a way that I'm going to be able to protect if this market starts to fall apart.
1: So how does a consumer find someone like you who has this kind of strategy? How, How do we do it?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, it's a lot easier today than it has been in the past because of the internet, because of things that we can go and get access to versus just trying to work within our community. But I think if you, you know, it, I think, honestly, it's just going to take a little bit of reading and a little bit of research and a little bit of understanding that there's actually these strategies out there. And I think now with things like podcasts and things like, uh, the, you know, whatever it might be, uh, class, online classes, things like that, people are beginning to get more and more or an easier way to learn about these types of strategies. And then look for a strategy that fits your personality. There are people that come and listen to what I'm saying and they go, no way. I believe you buy a stock and you hold that stock forever. That's okay. I mean, we still need those people. We still need people that are gonna do that. So that's okay. It's just understanding that there are different strategies. There's different ways to do it.
1: My brother-in-law was here they were here for Thanksgiving and we had quite a long conversation that evening about their strategy he and my sister they have bought um dividend stocks the ones that that pay a good dividend and they they're using those for for their retirement and and he manages them he does sell from time to time what are your thoughts on dividend stocks
2: I think that that is again it comes down to a strategy yeah um and the strategy there is I bought a stock that is paying a good dividend. So I'm gonna live on the dividend and then people will say things like, I don't even care if the stock goes down in value because I'm going to get the dividend. I always go back and I just say, gotta remember 2008, those stocks cut their dividends. So okay. if, let's say I had a stock that was paying a really good dividend and they get into trouble and my stock prices fell. they can on their own without having to call me, they can cut my dividend and now my dividend goes down. Now, as long as I don't sell the stock, I'm okay. But if my dividend goes down and my stock price is down, what am I going to live on? Right. Now, if you have other money coming in and this is just a piece of the puzzle, well, that's okay. It's not a big deal. But if you were living on, we have people that were living on their dividends. They were using all of their dividends. If those dividends get cut, now what do you do? Mm -hmm. So we don't like that. To be honest, it doesn't fit my personality. It doesn't fit my client's personality.
1: So again, the key is even, you know, if you are buying dividend stocks, it's still the active management of not just holding them forever. When, I mean, when that's our belief system. To, yeah. yeah, that makes sense.
2: That's our belief. And I'm sure if we had two of us on the uh, on this interview and you had another person, you could have a belief system that's different than mine. That's okay. I think, again, what people need to do is look for somebody who's there that matches their personality. Like right. And talking, your comfort it, level. Yes, yeah, exactly right. Like if I'm talking to somebody like you or your husband who says, I don't want to be in the stock market, this idea of buying dividend stocks is not going to be attractive. No. Right. But if I said, no, I got a strategy to get us out of trouble, that's going to be more attractive. Right. And then you've got people who would say, I don't want to be in the stock market. I don't care what you tell me. And that's okay as well. It just, you gotta, we gotta have a plan of some sort.
0: Okay, so then you have somebody like me that I want my money to make as much money as possible. Well, that's everybody. But, but I don't want to have anything to do with it because I don't trust my own decision, and I want to pay somebody to manage my money. Is that a possibility?
2: I mean, that's exactly what we do. I mean, okay. that's how we do it. So basically, people pay us a, a fee. I always liken it to the fact that I don't do my own taxes. I hire a CPA to do it because I don't know the tax codes the way I should for that kind of thing. So we pay somebody else to do these things that we don't want to do. right? Um, And so therefore, if a person says, I don't want to do the research, I don't want to watch this stuff. I don't, I want to go do whatever it is I do and what I like to do. And uh, so I want to
0: sleep at night and not worry about what stocks are doing.
1: That's true.
2: (laughs) And by the way, I would tell you that I couldn't do it by myself. I mean, I manage money for a lot of, People, but we have teams of people that are helping us watch everything. So you know, it, it's not something that we believe that an individual can do. I mean, you, you can do it if a hobby if you want, but it, it'll consume your life. We think,
0: right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to stitch up my own arm if I cut it. I'm going to go to a professional to do yep. that. So that's right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Perfect. So,
2: and so let me just say, I think in the in this is the world. This is not just us, but in the in the world of being able to get a financial advisor, there are financial advisors that will work or basically a flat fee to help somebody with a 401k because remember I told you we're limited in a 401k, what we can do. Unfortunately the way it would have to work in a 401k is that we could, we could pull all of the different things that you can invest in, in your 401k and then give you suggestions or watch it for you. But we would have to tell you, Sherry, go into your 401k, sell these things and buy these things there, that's easy to do, but then you're not worried about it. You're just getting told what to do. You're saying, Oh, okay. I'm selling that. I don't need to know what I'm selling or what I'm buying. I just need to know you. Somebody's telling me what I should do.
0: Right. I'm great at following instructions. Right. So that sounds yeah. completely doable.
2: Yeah. So that's kind of that, that would be that scenario. If it's an IRA, then you don't have to do anything. We do all the clicking for you. Basically we can do all that process for you and we can do it very actively.
0: Okay. Well, that's that's really good information. So if people so like I happen to have a different 401 and K through a different hospital I used to work at and it's just hanging out sitting there somewhere. I yeah. don't I don't even look at it. I don't yeah. even know what it's doing. So I no longer work for that company. I can take that and roll that into an IRA right now. Correct. correct.
2: Yep. Are and you so a nurse? You Is that what you do? What are you?
0: I am not a nurse, but I work in healthcare.
2: You work in healthcare. Okay. Mm -hmm. No, the only reason why I had that, you're asking this question. I had a, a lady who came to us and we were talking one day and we were looking at all of her numbers and she was much further along in life. I think she was around right at 60 and we were talking about getting her ready for retirement and she worked for a hospital here in Raleigh, North Carolina and, uh, so we were talking and she goes, "Wow, I thought I really had a lot more money than that." She goes, "But we were trying to like figure up the math and we were thinking this is not going to work very well and we were walking away through that. Come to find out she had an old 401k that she forgot about. Now how did you think about it, forgot about that that had $500,000 in it?"
1: Oh my gosh. I'm oh like, "I forgot I had $500,000." Yeah. yeah.
2: We were like, "Well then that helps everything." I mean, like you're going to have a great plan now. Well wow. so if you forgot about that old four hundred one k and it's got a half a million dollars in it, then yeah, you should move it over to an IRA.
1: <laughs> Wouldn't that I could nice? only wish hundred thousand dollars. I forgot enough. about all that half a million dollars. Like, <laughs> <laughs> in the South, we like to say, "Bless her heart," right? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good surprise. Yeah. So, you know what? What about people who are not where I am yet? Like people who are are early in their career, what are the, you know, the top things they need to do to make sure they're ready for retirement?
2: Well, I think, uh, so I have a, a, a partner who, um, works with me, who's younger and, uh, he has his wife, it just got a raise. And I'm just telling you the story because I think it helps people to think it through. So she got this raise, they were living on what they were living on already. And so he, and his mentality of what he was trying to bring into the scenario is like, look, you got to raise. We're living on what we're living on. Instead of us increasing our lifestyle, what if we increase the amount of money going into the 401k? And I think if people start thinking that way a little bit, instead of going, I got to raise, which means I can now go get, and I use a car because the cars are like, you know, so depreciating. Right. Like I'm going to go buy a new car now. And you said, hey, I'm going to take a part of this new money that I just got a raise up and I'm going to go put it in my 401k. I think as much as you can actually start getting yourself in the mentality of, okay, whatever, let's say you've got a brand new job, instead of thinking, oh, I'm going to take all this home, immediately start putting money. I don't care if it's $100 a month, $50 a month, get into the habit of seeing that money go into the 401k and then try to work that up. Make it a little bit of a competitive thing to yourself to try to get those contributions up. So let
0: me ask you this. Say you're for, you are doing the 401k deal like I am right now. And I have actually used that strategy the last few years and put my raises towards my, you know, 401k. If I got a 3% increase, then I started contributing, you know, 3% more or whatever. You get to a point where your company's no longer matching what you're putting in. Would it be more beneficial to take that extra money and invest it in an IRA?
2: Yeah. Well, so okay. Okay. So there's a little bit of income question, and I'm not asking you about your income. I just want to tell people to say a general thing. Right. If you're if you're below a certain amount of income, and I believe I can't remember this, but I think as a couple it's something like two hundred and twenty thousand, and as an individual it's something like about one hundred and seventy. Um. The the next phase that I would put money in is a Roth IRA. And the difference between the Roth and a traditional IRA is the Roth, if I'm putting money in after tax, and then all of my earnings is tax free. Um, So now instead of me having to, because when I put money into a 401k or a traditional IRA, I'm kind of making a deal with the government that says, I'm not going to pay you taxes today. I'll pay you the taxes in the future. With a Roth IRA, it says, I'm going to put the money in today. I've paid the tax on the money, but everything that grows after that, I'm now going to have all tax free. So think about it, suppose you've got two scenarios. You got two people who have saved whatever. They've accumulated $500,000 in a traditional IRA and they've accumulated 500,000 in a Roth IRA. The people who have the traditional IRA, they that that 500,000 is not theirs. Part of it is the IRS. Right. Whereas the 500,000 in the Roth is all mine. I can I can take it out, I can spend it all that is truly all of my money without paying any more taxes on it. So for people that can put money into a Roth, 100% say put it into a Roth. Now, what if you make more than those thresholds? Then a lot of companies and organizations now have what are called Roth 401ks, which means you don't have those contribution limits. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, age um, uh, earnings limits. So you could put it in the, in the 401k Roth version. So, and I always ask people, do you believe that taxes in the future are going to be higher or lower than where they are today? And most people, most people believe higher. So if you're of the belief system that taxes are probably going to go up, then paying taxes today is paying taxes at a discounted rate. That's why right. I mean, today, don't pay it.
1: I guess it could depend on your tax bracket, though, right? If you're Absolutely. somebody who's making a whole lot of money this year, for example, yep. this year you know you're going to make a lot of money and be at the highest tax bracket. You would rather assume that you know twenty years from now, when you're going to pull this money out, you'll be at a lower tax bracket. Yep. 100%. And so then you would want to pay the taxes later. Correct. Versus if whatever tax rate you are at the moment. Is, is where you you want to capitalize on the lower tax rate.
2: Correct. Yeah. So if you're going to be in a lower tax rate in the future, then yes, 100% don't, you know,
1: put your money in, put
2: your money in now.
1: pre-tax now
2: Absolutely. and draw
1: it out later when you're
0: at a lower tax bracket. Absolutely. So one more question about the Roth IRA, you said, if you go with the Roth that you don't pay taxes later when you use the money, but you're still being taxed somewhere on the money you make on that, correct? It's, you're putting
1: in your, your after-tax
0: money right, right now. No, you're making money yep. on right. the money you're investing. No you're taxes. going to pay taxes on that nope. that you earn?
2: Not on a no. Roth. In a wow. Roth IRA, all of my earnings are tax-free. So now think about this. You talk about for younger people, and I, you know, if you take an amount of money, let's just use $1,000, and I say I'm going to earn 7.2%. That means every 10 years, my money is going to double. So if I have $1,000 and I'm 20, when I'm 30, it's going to be worth 2,000. When I'm 40, it's going to be worth 4,000, so forth and so on. And all of those earnings on that 1,000 could now be worth, let's just say, 10,000 and then do multipliers of that if it's 100,000 or whatever. All of that earnings, I've earned completely tax-free and I can take it out tax-free in a Roth.
0: Wow, you just blew my mind. free money, I love free, <laughs> free. money <laughs> tax
1: free, yeah, all right, Wow, and that's the way to do it. You yeah. just have to really think about where you'll be and yep. where you are now, yep. and that's where having a good accountant that understands your taxes you know I've got one, and thank goodness cause I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> he just tells me what to do, and I do it. <laughs>
0: So it sounds like we need a a,
1: a um, your tax accountant and a financial planner. I well I, my tax accountant told me I needed a financial planner.
2: So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so we believe both of those fit really nicely together. Uh, we do that in our house in our practice we kind of do it all in one place. So we have a CPA and it helps our clients with all of that stuff just so we're kind of doing it together in one big package. So 100% we you got to have you need to have we say three key categories that you should have in your life. One is CPA, one is um, a financial advisor, and the other is a good estate planning attorney to make sure you've got everything set up for, for where things might go if you're not here.
1: Right.
0: Yes, we did an entire episode on that. So, the and you know what is funny is all of these the subjects that you're talking about, what we're talking about today. I know for me personally, and I've heard other people say the same thing. It is very overwhelming for people who do not work in that field, right? And that people are so afraid to make the wrong decision that they make no decision. Yes, that's me. That we are just frozen (laughs) in fear. And -hmm. then one day... And we see it every day in our Facebook. We have a Facebook group of about 10,000 people and people constantly post like, I'm going to retire in two years. I don't know where to start. How do I, I'm not, I don't know how to make my money work for me. I don't know how this works. I don't know what to do with my money when I retire. And, and I think really people wait until it's that final hour and then they suddenly panic and they, they should have been, we should have all been planning sooner
2: Yeah. Well, I think that the biggest part of the plan when you're young is to make sure you're saving. We have people all the time, by the way, that come to us and we kind of take them through a little initial conversation that we have. And they'll say, I don't know if I've got enough to live on for the rest of my life. And they've got way more than they'll ever need. But in their Mm -hmm. brain, they don't know if they're going to have enough. I mean, I've had so many stories of people, you know, that will have these conversations. So I don't think it's about, you know, I think you know, people, you know, that are good savers, maybe they work in a particular company, they're good, you know, they put a lot of money into their 401k over the years, and they just saved it, and it just kind of happened. And now they are exactly where you said, Sherry, they don't don't know what to do. They don't know all the moving steps. They're thinking about Medicare, they're thinking about Social Security, they're thinking about, you know, long-term care, they're thinking about all these different moving elements. And I think to have it all put together into a package so that you can say, ah, I see how it all fits. And that takes a while, by the way. It takes a while. It's not, and even if you were a good planner before, when you get to retirement, there's still a lot of other planning that has to be done.
0: Right, right. And does your firm help people with figuring that out? How how the whole insurance aspect works into the money they have saved, and or or does that more come from the estate planning attorney and
2: so, so what we do is we start every one of our relationships off with building. The very first thing we do is a retirement financial plan. A lot of people think about a financial plan. We talk about it though, from a retirement focused financial plan. And then once we have that built, that helps us to start to look at a lot of different things. When should you take social security? That's a big question that we talk about. Should you take it at 62, 66 and a half right now, if you're full retirement age or 70, when's the best time? That is not a a blanket answer, by the way, it has to be looked at individually. Uh, How do I navigate Social Security? Should I take a long-term care policy out? All of those things can be built or the answers can come out of that retirement financial plan. So that has to be first in our opinion. In all essence, it's a plan.
1: So I really, I don't know the answer to that. I didn't know there were different ages you could start taking Social Security. What's the difference? Can you give us like the little cliff notes on the different ages? Yeah.
2: The younger you take it, the less you get. Right. So if I take it at 62, which is the beginning age that I can take it, I'm going to get less than if I wait. But if you're retired and if you are saying to yourself, I'm going to either take money from my own savings or take it at 62, which one's better? Well, there's an answer that comes out of that, but you need some math and all essence, a really good software program that can help you to look at that and make a decision. It's not just the answer of always wait. It might be that it makes sense to go ahead and take it at 62. Now, it might be that it makes sense to wait. But if you
1: don't need it, always wait.
2: Uh, Well, I would say yes, most of the time wait. Yes.
0: And at what age should a person be sitting down and really doing that?
2: Making that decision?
0: Uh uh huh. Or thinking
2: about that? I would say on that particular decision, you're probably going to want to be doing that about a year or so before 62. Because you're going to kind of want to make sure you get in your head, wrapped it. I go back to what you, I think you said it, is that, you know, you've got all these people that are saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You don't want to be in a scenario where you've got to make a decision in a month. It's too big of a decision. So I would rather a person come on and start looking at it and thinking it through and let their brain kind of conceptually come up with the answers a year or so before, at least. That way you've got time to acclimate to it.
0: How often do you talk to a person who thinks they're going to retire at 63 and you start looking at their financial picture and you realize that they really need to wait until they're 67 to retire? Does that come up quite a bit?
2: What comes up more than than they need to wait completely is it comes back to like, let's say, for example, a person like where that re- conversation really happens with us is a person is... um Getting um, an early uh, retirement package, and or, or they think that they've got the option to actually say that they will take an early retirement package. So they're they're sixty one, and they're thinking, hey, if I take this early retirement package, they're going to pay me until I'm sixty two. I could start taking Social Security, but I don't know. Can I start? Can I actually live this way, or do I need to do something else? Most of the time, the answer to that for people that we talk to is that maybe they have to at least work part-time for a number of years doing something. Every now and then, yes, we'll talk to somebody that goes, yeah, you can't, you can't retire at 62, you need to keep on, you need to hang in there and continue to work until you're 67 or, or longer. But most people, I think, can at least come up with something they do part-time. Because remember, if we can just cover our major expenses, our essential needs, and mm-hmm. uh, it makes everything look a lot better financially. Sure. So we have a lot of people who might leave their stressful longtime career to go to do. Something. I had a guy who who came in and said this, I want to leave this stressful job. And he had a goal. He said, look, I, I don't know how long I'm going to live, but I have this goal that I want to go. And I, he had this thing he wanted to sail uh, in a sailboat, um, sail around the Caribbean for a year. He wanted to go stay on a sailboat for a year. And he said, and then I'm going to come back and I'm either going to go back into work or I'm going to do some other thing. Well, he went away. Everything worked out good enough that he came back and he and we did the numbers and I said you don't need to go back to the stressful job but you need to do something and he says hey you know what I would like to do he wants to he wanted to work in a scuba shop you know help people figure out awesome. how to dive and all that now that doesn't make a lot of money but he didn't need a lot he just needed to have a little something coming in so now. He's been retired, what I call retired for a few years, but he did something to bring some income in, but he's doing exactly what he loves to do.
1: That's me. That's my life right there. I'm so lucky. <laughs> right, right. But so we're, we're running out of time. Tell someone how they can find you if they're like, wow, I just need to work with Raiden. <laughs> yeah. He needs to help me with this. Or or if not you, how they find somebody in their local community. What What are we looking for?
2: Okay. So I'll answer the first question first. So okay. Our, um, our web, our website is P O M for peace of mind. The name of our, of our firm is peace of mind wealth management. So it's P O M wealth.net When you go there, there's a couple of different resources that are on that website. There's the blog page on the blog. Every single week on Wednesday, we have a new article that comes out on all these topics that we discuss. um, uh, That we have discussed today. Actually, we have done interviews on the podcast as well as blog articles on Social Security, on taxes, on all these different 401ks to IRAs, doing a Roth, not doing a Roth. All of those things we've done uh, had uh, information written on. But on the website, right to the right of that, of the page on almost all of the pages of podcast and blog, there is two courses. There's a video course that's completely free that takes you through like four different steps of preparing for retirement. And then there's another one that's called three keys to secure retirement, completely free. You can watch it. You don't have to do anything, not obligated, no money, anything like that, but you can get a lot of information by doing that. That's what I recommend.
1: Awesome. That is wonderful.
0: That sounds great. It is time for me to get my head out of the sand. <laughs> and just and really, I mean it's kind of been there, but I'm going to tell you, it's scary to think about retirement. I'm 48 and to think that 15 years from now I would need to be able to be, you know, financially independent without a job potentially. Mm-hmm. And you know, healthcare is hard on your body, so you don't want to be working. Yeah. You know, when you're 67 years old, I don't want to be working when I'm 67 years old and I love my job. Yeah. So, Yeah, you've given, you know, I think me for sure, and I hope all of our listeners a lot to think about. And um, yeah, in my head, I'm like, Jen, we're going to Raleigh. Uh (laughs) Okay, let's go.
1: And again, if If you're listening today and you think, "Uh uh-oh, have I waited too long? Do I need to get started? The answer is yes, you need to get started. Even if you're 20, get started. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Thank Thank
2: you. Thank you for having me.
1: Before we get to
0: the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And today we want to revisit some of the products that Dr. Quebeca formulated to help women. So many of our listeners have let me know that they have seen a dramatic difference in their PMS symptoms and moods since they listened to episodes 25 and 26 of this podcast with Dr. Anna, and they started incorporating some of her formulas into their cycle, such as the Balance Cream. And her Zenful supplement. And I've received nothing but glowing reviews of the Jolva Feminine Cream for help with bladder leakage and enhanced sexual intimacy. If you would like to find out more about these products or how to use them, visit lifelessonscommunity.com and go to the Shop With Us tab and click on the link for Dr. Anna Kabeka.
1: And if you haven't listened to those episodes, I would just really encourage everybody to go back to them, episode 25 and episode 26, because Dr. Kabecka is just, she's amazing. She really is. I'm going to a, a conference, um, a health and wellness conference in um, October, and I, I hope she's there. I think she's going to be there. She's part of the same community that's hosting it, so that'll be fun. I would like to meet her face to face. Yes, because I, I feel like I know her. You know, she—she's the girlfriend's doctor, and. Yeah, you, know, you can't talk to her and not come away without feeling like you're friends. Right. So next we have a segment that we call our listener led lesson. It might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. Today's listener led lesson comes from Holly. How would you say her last name? Pastor Pastorelle?
0: Pastorelli, maybe
1: Pastorelle or Pastorelli? Holly, sorry. Which I hope we said it it's right one exotic. of those times. It is exotic. She says, do you ever make recipes that need one or two tablespoons of tomato paste? Holly has a hack for you. She says, when I open a new can of tomato paste for a recipe, I spoon out the leftover with a tablespoon and freeze each tablespoon on a wax paper lined baking sheet. Once frozen, they can go in a Ziploc bag for future use. That's a great tip.
0: Yeah. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. I open up a can and then throw the rest of the can away. That's what I've always done. I, I didn't
1: want to admit that, Sherry. I didn't well, want to say. Well, it's
0: like you're not going to use it in the next And it'll go two, bad. It'll and go you bad. can't store it. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So well, when duh, I read this, I was freezer. like, what? Okay. Amazing. Maybe everyone else <laughs> in the whole world is already doing that except for me and you. But now we will all be doing it. We've added two more people that are in on that secret. Plus all the listeners. <laughs>
0: At the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener, and today's quote comes from Kristen, and I really could not love this more. The quote is, for just one second, look at your life and see how perfect it is. Stop looking for the next secret door that is going to lead you to your real life. Stop waiting. This is it. There's nothing else. It's here, and you'd better decide to enjoy it, or you're going to be miserable wherever you go for the rest of your life forever. She said, I read this in a book that I was reading with my son years ago, and it really stuck with me. I realized that I had spent years waiting to be happy, waiting for my marriage to get better, waiting for my divorce to be finalized when it didn't get better, waiting until I settled in as a single mom, waiting for the right guy to come along to date, waiting for that better job that would help make my finances easier. I read this line of the book, and then I read it again. And then I wrote it down, and I stuck it on the refrigerator. And then I copied it and I put it on my bathroom mirror. And then I put a copy on my computer at work. I was waiting, waiting for my secret door that would lead to a happy life. And I realized I was tired of waiting. I was going to create my own happy life. Why was I waiting on somebody to create it for me, to give it to me? It was my life. Who did I think was going to come along and make it a fairy tale? 10 years later, and my life is not a fairy tale, but I'm happy I chose to be happy and I chose to take control of my life and my own future happiness. There is power in choosing happiness. There is power in deciding
1: that you don't deserve anything less. That's awesome. I mean, it, I love that. It's really just a mindset shift. It really is. It's living in the now
0: mm-hmm.
1: the, and and realizing that no matter what, it's good now. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, we can always focus on what happened in the past and we can spend countless hours worrying about what's going to happen in the future. But really, the only thing that we can do anything about
1: is today. Yep, exactly. And, and there's beauty in every day, no matter what. No matter what, there's beauty in your day. And we can find it. So listeners, this has been a great show. I've really enjoyed it. Um, thank you for joining us today. Make sure to join the Facebook community for the podcast. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And then also, if you are on iTunes, make sure to leave a review. It really helps other people find our podcast. Do you have a story to share for our Good News segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you want to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? If so, email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and then listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye.
0: Bye.